Post 82 is brought to you by Game Time, your new go-to app for the best deals on last-minute tickets. Did you know King's ticket prices tend to drop right before the game starts? Game Time tracks prices in real time from thousands of trusted sellers and shows you all the best last-minute deals with prices up to 60% off. More than 12 million fans have downloaded the Game Time app and discovered the fastest, easiest way to get into the game. There are tickets across all major leagues and teams. So head to the App Store or Play Store now to download Game Time and score awesome deals on last-minute tickets. This is Jason Jones with the Post 82 podcast from Phoenix, where the Kings lost their season opener 124-95 to the Phoenix Suns. A lot to unpack here from this game, a lot that went wrong, especially in the second half. But I think I'm going to start with this one is just, in essence, kind of a reality check. Not so much for people within the organization, or maybe so, but just in, in general. There was a lot of talk about this roster and the depth of the roster and the upgraded talent. But what you learned from the first game is that this is still the Western Conference. And when you don't bring maximum effort and hustle and aggression and tenacity from the start, this roster is not so much more talented than last year or so much deeper than any other roster to where they can't get beat and get beat handily. If you look at the Suns roster and what they did in the offseason, added Ricky Rubio, added Dario Saric to play be a stretch four. You know, DeAndre Ayton a year older, a year, you know, assume a year better. Still have Devin Booker getting some guys like Mikael Bridges off the bench, a young guy who's a also improving. Tyler Johnson's a good NBA player. Javon Carter gave the Kings fit. So just look at the roster. There's not much difference in terms of talent between this team and the Kings. So when you come out how the Kings did and essentially let the Suns dictate the level of aggression, the level of physicality, even though the Kings were ahead early, what that really did was just set the stage for Phoenix to eventually take over the game because even as Phoenix trailed, they were the aggressors. They were still winning the hustle points. They were trying to knock the ball out the Kings' hands out of rebounds. They were doing all the things that they needed to do to eventually win the game. So just because media folk, fans don't think the Phoenix Suns are going to be a good team, the Kings can't afford to walk into a game thinking anything like that. Not to say that the Kings didn't think the Suns could be a good team, but they have to remember, for this team to be successful, they've got to play start to finish, maximum intensity, maximum focus. And I didn't see that last night. You saw the offense break down. You saw the defense be the defense that we've gotten to know in a bad way, allowing the Suns to shoot 50%, get 68 points in the paint. Just 27 fast break points. That's a lot of easy points right there that the Kings gave up. And the Kings can really blame themselves for that. 27 turnovers. That's insane. 27 turnovers. Let the 35 points for the Suns. And you're just not going to beat good NBA teams. Bad NBA teams. Any NBA team giving up 35 points off of turnovers. Especially when you shoot 39.1%. you got to pick a struggle. If you're going to struggle on defense... You better be putting up 120 points to keep yourself in the game. And this team is not going to beat a lot of teams scoring 95 points because their defense is not at the level of a team that you could say, we're struggling right now. We can just lock in and win a tight game. It's another observation from the game. The way this team played 
once De'Aaron Fox picked up his fourth foul early in the third, at the 10-04 mark of the third quarter. Corey Joseph, I thought, filled in, did a decent job, but the offense just really fell apart, and that's not just on Corey, that's on everyone. There's going to be nights where De'Aaron gets in foul trouble, possibly. What if De'Aaron misses a couple of games? This team cannot just fall apart offensively without De'Aaron. A lot of this is just the first game, Buddy Hill said. First game jitters, first game mistakes, but that's a big takeaway from this game that they have to figure out a way to run some offense, even when they don't have everyone available, still generate some points because it just went all bad once De'Aaron was out the game. Part of that was just you couldn't tell what they were running on offense. You know, it was... (laughs) This is supposed to be an improved half-court team, and it was not improved at all in the game against Phoenix. It just was, oh, kind of hard to even describe what they were doing. You saw a lot of guys who were clearly just, and almost in essence, doing their own thing, trying to get some shots, and that's kind of what uh, Buddy Hill said after the game, that they weren't, it wasn't about having a new system. They just weren't running what they know to run. And this team does not have that dominant superstar where they can just, throw the ball to one guy and let him carry them. So they have to run their sets. They have to get motion. They have to get guys moving, ball movement, player movement. This team cannot win games consistently without all those things. To me, that's a big takeaway. You have to learn from this as well. You have to run the stuff. You know, this team cannot get caught up in trying to beat teams one-on-one, taking bad shots, contested shots, and turning the ball over. They just weren't equipped against the Suns, and in general probably won't be equipped just to take out teams based on, on that when they're not defending. And if you just look at some other things that's kind of just jumped out to me going forward is that if you're the Kings, you had to go into the, the game thinking this is a game we have to get because coming up Friday, you got Portland, and we all know how Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum have taken turns giving the Kings fits. And then you follow that with a game at Utah and Unlike last season where the Kings went into Utah, maybe Utah didn't take them seriously. Maybe Utah didn't see them coming and they were able to get an early season win. Utah will be ready. Also because Utah just saw this team in the preseason. If the Kings can't fix these problems, you're really looking at an 0-3 start to the season, which is I don't think anyone expected. I really think people assume that minimum, you're going to beat the Phoenix Suns. But I think this was a valuable lesson they learned that you can't let anyone be more aggressive than you, be more physical than you. They did that against the Suns, took a bad loss. This is a game the Kings led by 11 points in the first half, and then they just got blitzed in the second half. You can't give up 70 points in a half, you know, and expect to win. And that's what the Kings did, give up 70 points in the second half. But I'm going to kind of ramble it back to the point about this coming weekend. You got Damian Lillard, CJ coming up to Portland, got a physical, focused Utah team coming up at Utah on Saturday. So if anything, the Kings need to make sure they come out in those games with a lot more force from the starters. I asked Corey Joseph about it. He said the Kings need more oomph. <laughs> I wasn't even sure how to spell oomph in my story, but I, they definitely need that. You know, Rashawn Holmes brought it. I see it from Corey, but it's got to be contagious. It's got to be a thing across the board where guys are selling out, not allowing teams to push them around, not allowing teams to take rebounds from them. So just a lot of things that, in a lot of ways, are more intangible things you got to work on before you start worrying about numbers and what can you do here, what can you do there. But 
you got to come out with a lot more force than the Kings came out against the Suns. We want to kind of finish this uh, first post-82 off just looking at how the bench performed. I know um, I try not to be the social media guy, reading the social media to see what's going on. With people, you know, people are thinking, trying to keep my thoughts just based on what I see. But there's a lot of talk about the uh, Luke Walton's rotation. What's he doing? Why is Trevor Ariza playing? Why is Bogdan Bogdanovich not playing more? A lot of stuff like that. But it's going to be hard to justify you know, giving Bogey more minutes on a bad night, especially when Buddy is going well. Bogey shot 1 of 10. So when Buddy's rolling and Bogey's playing like that, you have to expect Luke is going to roll with Buddy a little bit more, a little bit longer, just because, well, hey, I think objective observer would do that. As far as Ariza playing, the Kings still don't have a lot of wings with size. So they're going to need Ariza at least early in the season to kind of help set a tone. You maybe didn't see much of that or didn't kind of bear fruit against the Suns, but Ariza's going to be in the rotation. So if you don't like it, uh don't know what to tell you. Ariza was out here getting booed like the way the Kings fans booed Jason Terry and Spencer Hall, which was probably the funniest part of the game because I didn't think Trevor Ariza was in Phoenix long enough last season to even make enemies. But... <laughs> that's neither here nor there. That's just another wacky observation for me. And we'll be back on Friday when the King, after the Kings face the Portland Trailblazers, the Golden One Center in their home debut. This is Jason Jones for the Post 82 podcast. Take care, and we'll be back after the Blazer game.